basically, if you're an introvert that's writing code right now, find a good buddy who's very outgoing. Hiring is one of the most important tasks in your company that you're going to do. Talent is everywhere. It's not just in Silicon Valley. Y'all want to mind introducing yourselves and telling us what y'all do? Hi, my name is Maxim Zmailov. I'm a software engineer by experience and I'm a lawyer by education. But nowadays I, I've co-founded two tech companies so far and one conference for travel startups and software engineers in the travel industry. My name is Pedro Anderson. I am a social entrepreneur, crypto investor, biz dev, sales guy. So prior to Winding Tree, I founded a social entrepreneurship project in Ukraine, helping orphans find work in uh, with international companies to ensure that they would climb up social mobility ladder and so on. Also, uh, was one of the founding employees of a mobile app company and helped us to grow to one of the leading apps in the space. And now I'm more on the sales and partnership side of the winding tree. Can you tell us where you're at today and tell us your relationship together? Well, no, no, we go. Well, yeah. yeah no, we go way back. This is a very private question. Yeah. By the way, so I'm Max. My name is Max, and I go by Max, of course, and I'm the one with a slight Russian accent. So that's how your listeners should be able to distinguish between the two. <laughs> we are in progress right now working on our new project. It's called Winding Tree, which is a decentralized marketplace for travel for very much an oligopolistic travel industry. So we're trying to fix that, trying to make way for new startups, hackers, entrepreneurs, stuff like that. Give us a little bit more detail into that. So if I have no idea what you're talking about, how about just tell us how you came about this and what it's about. Right. So I've been, I've been working in all sorts of projects in the travel industry for quite some time now. Working on my previous company that is called Roomstorm, we realized that travel has a lot of problems. For example, they're still using... XML APIs, a couple of years ago, I was at a conference where this company, one of the intermediaries that are present on the market today, they were presenting their JSON API with, uh, they presented it as a great, greatest innovation that travel industries has seen so far, which was so funny for me, you know, as a software engineer in the audience. In terms of symptoms, there's a lot, there's no innovation in, tra in the travel industry. A lot of people are saying that travel is 10 years behind. So I did my extensive research. If you look me up on LinkedIn, for example, if you go to a list of my article, and my name is Maximus Milo, so you can Google that. There's one article that's called Travel Industries Invisible Battle. I guess you can just Google that. I'll describe in details what's going on. And basically, with that article, I come to a conclusion that all the problems in the travel industry come from the fact that it's there are only five companies out there that dominate the travel industry completely. They are big, they're slow, they don't know how to innovate, they have no incentive to innovate. That's why we are where we are today. So we're trying to fix that with the blockchain technology. And, and again, blockchain, by definition, is technology that removes intermediaries from all sorts of different markets, that is places where buyers and sellers are connected. So you can think about winding tree as of a system. So Bitcoin is a financial system with no intermediaries. We don't need banks anymore. And winding tree is a very, very similar system for the travel industry that removes intermediaries that today sit in the middle of all, pretty much all the transactions that happen. Pedro, how'd you get roped into this with Max? 
Max and I go way back, like we were saying, I met him in Prague maybe eight years ago or seven years ago, I don't recall. Uh, while working on uh, the other startup I was in, I was visiting Max a few times and he was telling me about some of the frustrations he was having with the travel industry and its dark little secret. And for me, it was really shocking. And then we started talking about the solution that he had in mind of using blockchain to disintermediate. And I was fascinated, not only because it was a, it was a great business opportunity, but for me, it felt like a cause. And like I told you, my background is more of a social entrepreneurial. It appealed to me the significant change that you could have in a space to bring it from being old and atrophying, really getting worse with time, to actually allow travel to flourish technologically. Yeah, travel is a $7 trillion industry, and it's evolving very, very slowly. So it's just not nice. I also published a piece on my motivation for getting on board with Winding Tree, which you can also find on LinkedIn if you look me up, Pedro Anderson, Winding Tree. Could you give us like a quick summary? Like, so we can throw some of these in the show notes, all these articles that you were talking about. Sounds good, yeah. Yeah, but would you mind to give us a brief summary of why you wanted to get involved, Pedro? The biggest problem with the, with the travel industry is that there are a handful of monopolies that sit in the middle, and they have very little incentive to innovate. They charge very high fees. So every time you travel, it's almost like you're paying a old technology tax or penalty for the fact that these intermediaries are involved. So a piece of everything that you spend on travel goes towards these intermediaries. And then when startups want to come in and provide a new solution, if you want to have anything to do with booking, you're going to have to work with one of these. And if you don't have enough volume, you'll be rejected. If you don't have an existing relationship with them, they'll turn you down. So it really impedes progress. It hurts the end traveler. And that's really the worst part. Austin, can I have a stupid question? You're going to add it this time. Yeah. Okay. We're going to keep that in there now, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can, you, can, you can totally do it. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, like, like they do in the movies, to be honest, like lots of funny moments that didn't go to the actual The question, Pedro, so as far as I understand, Austin was asking about your personal reasons about why you joined, and basically I think the recap of your article would be nice here. I feel like we repeated ourselves, like you repeated what I was saying, like, hey, there's, there's a bunch of intermediaries. I think that mm -hmm. what, what you were saying was more on a personal note. Yeah. That's what, yeah. So that's where I was trying to take it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Because that's what I was going to say. I will throw the link in there, but more personal wise. For me, it was uh, that very factor, those same factors. When I saw that, that was kind of what, what caught my eye. If I'm looking at your website, it says there's a token sale 34 days from now. Can you explain what that is? Right. There's a lot of hype about ICOs these days, and I understand why, why you're asking this question, Austin, and I understand why I see dollar signs in your eyes right now, but just calm down, okay? Uh, ICOs, we think, is, is a great tool. It's just a phenomenal tool. You can fund your company without necessarily going to Silicon Valley and talking to a bunch of rich guys there. Anyone in the world can help you do that. But that's not all what ICOs are about. Our stance is that all the decentralized protocols, and, and again, Winding Tree is a decentralized protocol, just like Bitcoin, just like Ethereum, they require support from a variety of different entities and individuals. In our case, we don't want to give just one investor a very, very big stake, I don't know, whatever it is, 10, 20%, that's very common for new startups. We don't want to give one company such power on our network. And that's why ICOs 
are absolutely necessary for decentralized protocols, decentralized network. That's why there's a lot of criticism that Filecoin, for example, is getting today, or people talking about noses that distributed only 5% of their tokens and, and they preserve 95% of their tokens. So basically it's a central bank, right? It's not a decentralized protocol. It's not a decentralized organization. For us, the token that we have is absolutely, the goal is to have multiple different companies all over the world to support this organization, to support this movement, I would say. And we give them with the token, we give all the participants the ability to participants of the marketplace we give them the ability to have a say on the platform to where the platform is going we have a way we give them the ability to participate in the governance of that platform as well so that's what the token is about and yes you're absolutely right the token sale the pre-sale is starting in 31 days or so well it got me excited and uh, i didn't see the dollar sign <laughs> that we have the exact same the day we're going to launch the uh podcast there you go that's awesome <laughs> okay but anyone could buy those Anyone, if you're a traveler, if you're a travel company, if you somehow related to travel, if you're some sort of governance body somewhere in Bangladesh, totally can participate. And again, this is about democracy. On a more philosophical level, I think it's my theory that a lot of the systems that we have today, such as governments and corporations and all sorts of organizations, they're excluding a lot of their stakeholders. They don't ask whether Uber passengers are liking the new Uber prices or not. Or, I don't know, again, in the case of those intermediaries in the trial space, they don't ask you how much you want to pay or how they should be doing things. You know, you're absolutely excluded from those decisions. In our case, I get this is a new type of governance that's up and coming in all kinds of different industries where it's very inclusive. All the companies that uh, will be participating in our marketplace will have a say on the platform, as I said. Again, if you're a traveler and if you believe that the platform is not necessarily taking your opinion into consideration, you have the ability to say that. This is just like, again, Bitcoin, right? Where it's very, very inclusive. And again, Bitcoin governance, I'm not saying it's without problems, but still it's much, much better than anything else that we've seen so far. You know, miners can participate, users can participate. It's good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being a patron. Uh, no worries, man. I, I came across the podcast a few weeks ago and I definitely uh, enjoy them. So uh, I wanted to at least show my commitment and at the amount that you, uh, it costs, I, I wanted to go for the highest tier. So yeah, well, I appreciate that. So were you just Googling like a... Looking for another podcast and yours popped up and I was like, well, let me check this out. And then, you know, I listened to one and I love how in depth and detail. The first one I listened to was the uh, Mining Key guy. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one to start off with. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm in the franchising, okay, right? Perfect. So, well, I'm in a franchise. I definitely, uh, it definitely was a good one to start off. And um, I like the questions that you ask, you know, you hold them to numbers and... So I think I've listened to maybe 60 in the last three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, you've been binging. As far as like episodes, what's been one of your favorite? The Meineke guy. The Meineke, yeah. <laughs> you really did start yeah. off with, I thought so yeah. too. I've been telling yeah. everyone how great that one was. And, and and he's one of the main reasons I joined the Patreon too. I was like, man, I got to hear the end of his story. It took, <laughs> it took me a couple weeks, but uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I got to hear the end of his story. So if you want to hear that episode with Charles Bonfiglio, go check out episode 165.
No, I think without knowing anything about Bitcoin, it'd be a little bit more complicated for the average user. Do you think that's the hardest part about talking about your company is explaining it to people or, or tell us about the hardest part thus far? Actually, yeah. You want to take that? Okay. I would say yes and no. The beautiful thing about travel is that a lot of the travel companies realize their problem that they have with the industry. And as a result, a lot of them have been looking into blockchain. You'd be surprised how many travel executives are reading up on and studying blockchain, I would say more so than, than in other industries. But yeah, it's definitely a challenge for, for the general public and, and for those who aren't as, I guess, concerned. So yeah, I'd say our challenge whenever we go to events, to conferences, whenever we talk to people, the biggest challenge so far is to be on the same page in terms of what the blockchain's technology is because tell someone, hey, we're a blockchain company and they say, oh, you, you do payments, that's awesome. <laughs> well, that, no, that's not what our company's about. And the challenge is to be on the same page. The challenge is to educate people about all this technology so we understand it's pretty new. But I think it's very important. I think that technology is going to change the world. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, I was going to add that the non-travel side explaining the decentralization aspect, because a lot of folks want to have control. They're contributing <laughs> to something. They want to have direct control in the future of that organization, more so than is granted by a decentralized model. Where I was, uh, I was speaking at a conference in New Zealand, and there was a company from Australia, and they said, we've done that. We have this particular, this specific technology that they're talking on, and we already have all those smart contracts and everything, and we control this thing fully. What are you talking about? And I'm like, okay, this is exactly where you got it wrong. It's not rocket science to create a couple of smart contracts, but for companies, for those corporations to wrap their head around the idea that the value of all those marketplaces, the value of those networks comes from the fact that no one is in control, that's a big challenge. And we were talking earlier, I guess, during just when we were warming up here, what is y'all's plans later today? Especially, I wanted you to touch on Pedro. <laughs> you were asking about what our plans were for later in the day, and Max said he was going to sell his last company. <laughs> and my answer was, I'm going to go play some from soccer because I'm Brazilian, so it's about as important as selling a company. <laughs> and Max, yeah, could you hit on what you're doing exactly, like you said, with the selling of the company and what goes on through that? If we are talking with the previous company, Roomstorm, that we built, actually there is a few buyers that court us, and, and I guess this podcast will be released on September 18, so maybe it's not going to be private information anymore, but if it will be, uh, we'll just cut it out, right? right? <laughs> if you just want to speak in generalities about selling a company, what you go through, and, then, and that's all. Don't give us any details, because the more editing, the worse. I'm definitely leaving in your stupid questions, comments. Sounds good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, Roomstorm as a company, and with Roomstorm, we're helping airlines and this is how outdated the travel industry is. We're helping airlines to help them accommodate their passengers when there's a canceled or delayed flight. And today, the process is pick up the phone, start calling hotels, put everything on a piece of paper. You as a passenger, probably, you know, a lot of listeners have been delayed before or the flights were canceled. And they know the drill, right? You get a piece of paper, you go to a hotel very often. The hotel, by the way, has no idea that you're coming. It's a piece of paper. And they're like, no, dude, we're overbooked. You have to go somewhere else. Damn it. Okay, calling the airline again. What is the other hotel that I can go to? It's not good. So we created a completely automated system. 
we sold it to a few airlines, but now, you know, we're very, very much interested in the development of wine entry. And there, there, there were a few buyers that approached us in past few months. With one company, we're talking, they, I think they approached us like a year and a half ago. So to anyone, to entrepreneurs here that have an illusion that, oh yeah, we're going to just, you know, build this thing in a few months and then someone is going to acquire it very quickly. No, this is not how it works. It takes a lot of time. Those big companies, they have nothing to lose. They can wait for years as opposed to small startup that is on the verge of running out of money every time. And it's a lot of work. It's just a lot of talking, but hopefully it's, it will come to a good conclusion very soon. How many people work at the company when you sell it? Is Do all those people go with the new buyer or what, what's the plan? Some of them, probably half of them. I guess it will be up to companies to decide what would be the right balance. But they definitely need a lot of engineering help. The last time I was talking to them, they had less engineers than, than our companies. As far as working, do y'all travel a lot? Because it sounded like that's the reason we're trying to get this interview done today. Because do y'all go to different parts of the country or world when you're working? How's that go? We're all pretty much digital nomads. How long have you been doing that? Can you tell us about your experiences of being a digital nomad and running a company? I moved to, to Europe when I was 18 and I've been on the road pretty much ever since. Right now we're in Prague, whole month, September, October, pretty much on the road, but then back to my base in Texas for the holidays. And I had been living till two weeks ago. I've been, uh, been living in San Francisco five years. Before that, I lived in Prague, and that's where we had to be. That's where our other uh, co-founder is from. Prague is beautiful, beautiful city. So if, if there's one thing that people should take from this conversation, it's just Prague is beautiful. You just have to come here. Beer is cheaper than water. But anyway, in the past one month, I did go around the world, basically. It was San Francisco, Shanghai, Barcelona, Iceland, Boston, Toronto, and San Francisco again in two weeks. What's been the, the most difficult part about traveling and working at the same time? I would say the, the crazy travel that I did, you know, of trip around the world in two weeks. You're jet lagged pretty much all the time. It's kind of pro and a con at the same time because you get to work at night when no one distracts you, which is great. I absolutely loved it. I was in Shanghai for a few days and just going to bed at around 7 p.m. and then waking up at and around one, okay, gonna do some work now. There's there are no distractions. It's great. <laughs> For me, I would say one of the big challenges is whenever you go to a new place, I would say there's about at least a week where the fascination of the new place kind of distracts you a little bit, but maybe less, maybe about a week. But such after a, that, such you get in your groove and productivity I think would even be higher. It's like the icing on the cake is stuck in my teeth, you know, it kind of sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> not sure where that came from. <laughs> I don't know, it just came up with it. <laughs> okay. Well, well yeah, because I, I, I asked y'all both the, the biggest challenge keeping your business from growing or maybe other businesses from growing. And I know, Max, that you mentioned that successful business is all about great and effective communication. So I'm just trying to figure out if I was trying to build a company where we have nomads, how we do it successfully, maybe in a little bit more detail, if y'all could. Right. One of the reasons why we're here in Prague is specifically with brainstorming and making bigger decisions. It is very important to be in the same place. And that's why we decided to get together. The daily operations, I think you can do remotely almost better than in a united environment. But when it comes to decision-making, structuring, remodeling, it is very important, in my opinion, to be in one location to get everybody together. 
So, so Austin, I guess where we want us to start is that our company is completely distributed. We're all, as Pedro's digital nomads, right? So we have people in Prague, we have people in Argentina, in Texas, in San Francisco, San Francisco up until recently. And that's just a fact of life, I guess, that talent is everywhere. It's not just in Silicon Valley, it's not just in London or at any specific place. By allowing your company to work with people from all over the world, you're easing. Hiring is one of the most important tasks in your company that you're going to do. I said, and we're chatting, and I said that communication is absolutely crucial. But before you can have communication, you have to have someone to communicate with. And again, by hiring anywhere and everywhere in the world, I think collectively our team speaks about six, seven different languages. So no more than that. Yeah. So we have the ability to do that. And it's just much easier. Again, people who live in Buenos Aires or co-founders who live in Buenos Aires, they don't have such a high cost of living. And Buenos Aires is just a beautiful city again. So maybe the second thing that listeners should take from this podcast is that Buenos Aires is absolutely a beautiful city. You have to go. Then you have to communicate. Effective communication is absolutely crucial. I believe, firmly believe that 99% of all the problems comes from bad, insufficient communication. But now you face the problem that all of your team members are all over the place, right? So I think a lot of companies have solved that before. For example, Mozilla, notoriously, they're all over the place. They're not just in San Francisco or somewhere else. Or American Express, which is in, in uh, business travel. They have, I think, 1,500 workers spread out throughout the world, every single one of them working remote. Right. And there are ways to set up communication in a way that works for you. And I do think for all kinds of different kinds of ways will be different. There is one silver bullet that you can just use and like, hey, communication is solved now. I don't know. Right. And I agree with that. I, I just, you know, I guess just staying organized and efficient as a team, maybe what would you suggest if someone was growing and say I hire my first freelancer or my first couple of freelancers, how to stay in good communication with them and like organized as a team? Right. So we use, I guess it's, it's about tools and it's about a certain structure. So we have two weekly calls with our engineers when we're all dispersed. And then we have a daily stand up, virtual stand up, virtual stand up, basically. And, and again, you can travel wherever you want, but you just have to make it to that stand up and then you're all good. Can you tell us a little bit more about that's exactly what I'm looking for. Some of those details. Right. Yes. Tell us what a daily virtual stand up is and what y'all do when you go through one. We basically split up the stand-up into two. One would be more on the biz dev side and partnerships, and the other one is the technical stand-up. And each representative would share what they're working on, any challenges they ran into, and what they plan to do over the course of that day. You're looking back at what you accomplished the day before, and then going over what you're planning to accomplish that day. If there's need for cooperation, it makes it much easier to collaborate when you know what everyone's progress is, besides what you're actually looking at on progress charts. Right. If you, you have to turn your camera on so we know that you're not cheating, that we know that you're at. <laughs> you know, that, that makes sense too. And I think that's really important, these little tips. And how long do these little stand-ups usually take? And I think that's pretty smart because do you all help hold each other accountable the next day if they didn't get done? Do they have to explain why they didn't do it? I mean, it's not like mommy and daddy, but yeah, you ask about progress and... No, there should, there's, absolutely. There should yeah. be accountability. For a certain period of consecutive days, there's nothing gets done. Here's the questions that, that we ask on the stand-ups or things that we talk about. What you're doing today, what you've done yesterday, and what blocks you from achieving your goals in, in the short term. 
or maybe even in long term as well. Those are the three crucial parts that we have to talk about or that you have to talk about to your listener. And that's all actually what prompts. And this is this is your almost an average scrum stand up with those three questions. And, and it shouldn't run too long. That's why it's called a stand up, is that you'd be standing up while talking. You know, just imagine yourself standing up and talking about this. You, you probably wouldn't be there for over 30 minutes. The assumption is, you know, we're engineers. We have weak legs from sitting sit down after a while. Yeah. And is it one person at a time or is it just one person per day in each one of those groups? Everybody throws in their piece. Yeah, everybody goes. Can we talk about some of the hardest parts about building businesses? Any mistakes you've made that an entrepreneur could learn from? Oh my, where do I start? Well, it's a two hour long podcast, so we got <laughs> Either one of y'all, feel free. I think one of the big ones was funding because we are bootstrapping and self-funded, especially for the- That's not a mistake, that's a feature. No, not a mistake, but you're saying challenges, right? Yeah, challenges. <laughs> it's a feature. <laughs> no, but- we were talking about how decentralization is really important for us and having too much power in any one hand kind of goes against decentralization. And, and that was a, a choice that we made. We were ready to back by uh, depending more on a decentralized funding model. Of course, it had its challenges, especially earlier on um, when we were building things from scratch and you're constantly looking for that validation. But what really helped for me, it might be different from X, was seeing the response from the travel community. Right. I think that was the biggest. It, it, it's not just a few frustrated startups. It's hundreds of these startups. And it's not just startups. It's executives from travel companies wanting to get involved. And just the overwhelming response from the travel company, from the travel community is what sealed it for me. And I knew we were doing the right thing at the right time. Because you can have the right solution, but the timing can be off validation from the travel community, what I would say was the most important for me. And that funding initially was, was the biggest challenge. I think a challenge starting a company, especially, hopefully, the company that would grow exponentially in, in no time, is that it takes a lot of faith, takes a lot of work. It's okay to make mistakes. And since you've, made, you've asked about mistakes or, or challenges, I think the biggest mistake that people make is they believe that there is a way there's a magical way when or where you won't make any mistakes and everything will be perfect. But, but then when those people make their first mistake and then the second one and the third one, they just throw in the towel. And I've seen a few people like that. I think success is about making those mistakes, falling down, standing up again, and just keep going again. I've been working on all sorts of travel-related projects in all kinds of shapes and forms for five, six years now. And... Sometimes it was hard. Sometimes it was fun. It's, it's like life. Just keep going. And I think also making the changes based on mistakes or not even necessarily mistakes, but changes in plan and adjusting. Pivoting, I think, is really hard. You've put so much work in one direction and then you realize it's probably not going to be the right direction and changing. That can always be disheartening because you've put so much time into it and you know resources are slim and that's always hard. Got to do it, brother. You're talking about being self-funded being a challenge. Was there a point in time that y'all thought that it might not be worth putting more money into Winding Tree or is it another company? Because you're like, hey, I'm not seeing any feedback. No, I never thought, oh, I'm just going to back out. I never reached that point. I'm looking at him for, right now. For Winding Tree. Yeah. Um, but it, it does start to hurt after a while when you're pulling money out. <laughs> and how much money did you put in? Can you give us a ballpark? Okay, sure. 25K around there. Yeah. Looking back on your other experiences as an entrepreneur, was there something that you figured out when you were younger, you thought you knew that you really didn't? 
The world is definitely more complicated than I thought even five years ago. I think having a very realistic view of how the world works definitely helps a lot. It helps to be idealistic about things. It definitely motivates you. I was absolutely 100% sure when I was moving to Silicon Valley several years ago that this is this meritocratic space where you just come with a brilliant idea and people just give you a lot of money and you just work on the product and you've done and now a bunch of customers just flock into this product because it's awesome. That's not how it works, unfortunately. <laughs> How'd you find that out? The hard way. Yeah. Tell yeah. us that. <laughs> Tell us what the hard way. It's again, where where do I start? Like the in the beginning. So I went through Y Combinator with, with previous company with Roomstorm, for example. I was fascinated when I was moving to Silicon Valley. I was I was definitely fascinated with Paul Graham's essays and book you know, hackers and painters that he wrote where he described that kind of reality. And I was confused by it for quite some time. But then of uh, no, you build a product, it's all about marketing. There is this interesting comparison. There was a, this very interesting tweet recently that two similar projects in the blockchain space right now, it's Filecoin and Sia. The guy was saying, the thing marketing do for you. Filecoin had a lot of marketing support from AngelList and, and all sorts of, I don't know, highly placed individuals, let's call them that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they've done pretty well, uh, raised $200 million or so. And Sia, have you heard about that? No, but how do you spell Sia as well? S-I-A, Sia coin or something like that. So it's supposedly they have similar technology or similarly developed level of that technology, but at the same time, yeah, it's a lot of success depends on, on this combination of the good technology, the right team, good marketing, the right time, the right place. You just have to be a little bit lucky too. And I would say one of the things that I... I guess that I learned going more into business was uh, how much depended on on connections. I thought more of, I guess I was more idealistic in the picture of uh, Silicon Valley, for example, and how it's a meritocracy, but how it really wasn't. It was more about who you knew and product is important, but not quite as much as I had expected. I thought, hey, if you have a good product, it's going to rock out but it's not really at the end of the day. And if you are a person that's going for product, you have to kind of be ready to go in for a marathon much harder than you expect. So basically, if you're an introvert that's writing code right now, find a good buddy who's very outgoing, who's going to go to all sorts of conferences, make connections. Appreciate you uh, becoming a Patreon member. Yeah, no problem, man. So what inspired you to become one? There was some content specifically, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy over at uh, Meineke, I was just like, I had to listen to the end of it. So it was, it was a good hook. It is so funny that you said that because when I literally just got done editing, the guy said the exact same thing. Really? Yeah. I kept thinking that story was so good. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if you thought the same thing, obviously. The guy is, you can just tell he's, he's a grinder, you know, and you want to root for a guy like that. I'm glad you're able to catch up and see those old group calls and those they're definitely helping. Yeah, and probably the most helpful one has been with a gal that did PR. Megan Bennett. Yes, yes. Like I listened to that whole thing with all the people's questions and her ideas. And I like how, you know, you got her to tell more stories than just the regular interview. And out of y'all, is there one that's more engineer based and one more outgoing? No, we're both pretty outgoing. I I thought of myself as like more, more of an introverted person, definitely a few years. 
but I had to do it. You can learn it. It's not rocket science. It's just you. It's exhausting. I do think I'm more more of an extrovert, probably uh, introvert, probably because it does tire me a lot when I talk to a lot of people while when when I go to those all those conferences that we have to go. But you can play it. It's a game. You just get out there, get on stage, put this mask on, and you you gotta be fine. It seems like I'm hearing similar stories from both y'all. That really, no matter how great of a company, if y'all if the company is not going to market or have sales or have some type of connections, then it doesn't matter. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Well, well yeah, I think it's a combination of, of all sorts of different factors. And to me, I think it boils down to you will never be able to calculate precisely what kind of expense you have to have in the marketing realm or how much you have to spend on engineering, how much you Planning is guessing. I think it's the 37 signals phrase from one of the books. Right? <laughs> Planning is guessing. You will never be able to determine all those variables precisely. You have to try all kinds of different things and see what works, see what doesn't work. And that's, again, to me, that's what innovation boils down to, especially in Silicon Valley, where we say fail fast, right? Not because you want to fail fast. You just want to find all the ways that didn't work. That's how you invent the light bulb or whatever. So what do you guys see for your future as a company? The equivalent of Linux, but in travel. Right. So a, de- a project for developers by developers that is used across the industry for pretty much anything to do with travel distribution. As I said in, in the beginning, it's more than just a company. It's, it's a movement. We want to bring innovation back to the travel industry. And again, some of the other symptoms that we see in this huge industry is that there are no open source projects, for example. There are no events for trial startups or software engineers in the trial space. The only event that that is out there, I co-founded it. So we want to change that. We want to change the dynamic of that industry. I want to travel cheaper, faster, better, all those things. As you know, we're all travelers here on the team and I just want to be able to have a better experience. I do not want transnational corporations taxing virtually everyone in the world, not because they deliver a lot of value, but just because they can, because they're out. There's a lot of high-level goals here. So yeah, my vision, better set Linux, I would say, kind of like HTTP. And again, everyone is a stakeholder here. So everyone should be able to control it. Everyone should be able to benefit from the platform very, very democratic way, I would say. And if you both weren't working, are you both working on Winding Tree 100% right now? Yes. If you both weren't doing that, what would y'all be doing today? I would be traveling around the world and playing all kinds of musical, local musical instruments that I could lay my hands on for sure and and filming all that stuff. And then I would put it on Netflix. And Pedro? Yeah, my uh, two side things that I'd probably be doing would be uh, mead making. I want to start a meadery and uh, probably going back to social entrepreneurship. Yeah. What do you say? Made, made making? Mead making. Honey wine. Honey wine? Yeah. I've never heard of that. Okay. Medieval art. Fastest growing alcohol. Sales in the U.S. 130% growth year over year. Is that social entrepreneurship right there? No, that's the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> For yourself. So you can socialize with people. Make America drunk again. There you go. We appreciate y'all both coming on, sharing your stories so far. Do you have any last words of wisdom or pieces of advice for any entrepreneur who's listening? And what's the best way for people to say thanks for doing the interview? 
I would add just to our note of a lot of traveling and jet lagging, Max uh, was pointing out the glory of being able to work at night. I would say that the jet lag actually poses one of the biggest threats in the entrepreneurial world in that the middle of the night when no one else is around, I don't know if you've experienced it, but it's the time when usually I get hit with, is this going to work and all that kind of stuff. It usually never hits me during the day under a normal day or a normal night, but while jet lagging specifically, that's when like you wake up at three or four in the morning and you're just like, whoa. I think it's just, you know, again, there are no distractions and people are naturally, they're just bombarded with all sorts of information. That's just this state of being with yourself, with your own thoughts, right? There is no TV or whatever you watch during the day, no stimuli. And then you start just thinking about all those things. Interesting. No, it doesn't happen for me like that. That's about the, I guess, the only time that it does. And so that's the one part I don't like about it. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. So the, the take the takeaway for, for people, for listeners is don't be jet time. <laughs> That is that it has two sides to that coin. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you do bring up an important point about when you're not distracted and you're talking about when you can just, you can get so much more done versus if you have your Outlook or Gmail open and if you're working in the middle night, I think that's really important that not, not enough people like silence their phone or, you know, turn off the Outlook and Gmail and just work. I think that's really important. It's absolutely crucial. Yeah. So during the day, very, very often, I just silence my phone and look at my emails or messages or anything because otherwise I counted, I have a separate screen on my phone with like 20 different messaging applications. Now we should do something. I would like listeners to just go out there and invent something that would eliminate that crazy information overhead. I don't know if this is going to be like a brain implant or something like that, that trends. Yeah, transmit all the information into my brain immediately. Something like that. How you can express gratitude for us being here, I think it's, I guess you're just welcome. But if you can do... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, if you can really do something, you feel like really, okay, like I'm so motivated, so grateful right now, just travel abroad. Right. If you haven't done, or even if you've done that, you just travel somewhere where you haven't been before. If you're from the United States or, or the Americas, just go to Europe and vice versa. I think travel is a very, very great equalizer. Like you would see how other people live, what kind of problems they're, they're concerned with. It's, it's just amazing. I've had my fair share of conversations with people from the United States, specifically from Silicon Valley. I'm talking about you, white privileged males right now. And they Max have- is white, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at you right now and you have no idea what's going on in here. You have no idea what's going on. Some of you do, which is great, but I'm <laughs> sorry, but I have to say that. Just go, go travel, travel. Latin America, Buenos Aires is awesome. Prague is awesome. China is awesome. I've, I've had no idea. It was my first time in China. Yeah, where specifically in China? Because you give us two. Shanghai and Shenzhen, I would say, would be worth hitting if you're an entrepreneur and you want to see yeah. where the future of business is. Yeah. And the whole new world, it's fascinating. Yeah, go to Russia if you're feeling risque. Uh, definitely go to Russia. World Cup. It's beautiful, too. Yeah. Pedro, did you leave us with any last words? Because Max was going on there for a while, I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I added some bits about uh, the late night yeah, okay. uh, thoughts and... and um, yeah, and as far as if, if anyone is uh, building anything in travel, I'd recommend that they join our Slack. We have a lot of travel entrepreneurs on there talking about their ideas and working on projects, collaborating. So it's a great resource support group for 
travel, technology, entrepreneurial. What, wait, Austin, what is this podcast about? Like it's about motivating people. Motivating it and then actual steps and being able to learn from y'all's experiences, like it's specific details. For instance, when we were talking about your stand-up meetings, things like that, because those are little things no one talks about, but make a huge difference, I think, when you're trying to do a company and figuring out how to run a company. Right. Okay. I can summarize basically things that I said. So, so first of all, if you want to change the world, and if you don't want to, no one can help you, right? That's totally fine. Yeah. That's, that's totally fine. We were all different and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. But if you do want to change the world, just don't be afraid. Just go ahead and do it. And you will fail multiple times, but it's also fun. Just get up, do your thing, and don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, along the way, like, again, those mistakes can be those mistakes of like choosing a wrong tool, picking a wrong team member, raising funding from a wrong person. You may, you will make all those mistakes if you haven't done that yet. And again, it's all fine. That's all learning experience. Just don't be afraid to learn. Sometimes I, I like to say that I like feeling stupid. I like feeling stupid because it's the only way you see that you're learning. It's the only indication. If you don't feel stupid, at least some time, you're, 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 you're just not learning. Zone. Yeah. Yeah. You're just not learning. I feel that way every day. So I guess I'm yeah. working. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Working good. <laughs> well, uh, thank you both, Pedro and Max, for coming on and sharing y'all's stories and helping the entrepreneurs listening. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you. All right. Thanks, guys. And I'd like to think it is working out for us. If you didn't know by now, we're consistently in the top 20 of business podcasts in iTunes. And that's not just in the U.S. of A, but also in dozens of countries all across the world. So I want to give a shout out to our top 10 countries paving the way in downloads. In random order, here you go. South Africa, Ireland, Germany, United States, India, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Thailand, and Ghana. And we have dozens of countries right outside of the top 10. So if your country wasn't named then help them out by spreading the word about our podcast. Oh, and if you're in the top 10, well, you don't want to lose your ranking. So it won't hurt to tell a friend or a relative that would love the podcast. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next episode.